Kosey, one of the best value guys on the board at receiver this week in my mind. Episode 47, as you heard on the open there, DeMonte Coxey. Second week in a row now. Yep, it happened. It was Jake Smith two weeks ago, and it was interesting last Saturday afternoon around the late afternoon kickoff games. I was a little preoccupied doing some things around my place, and my all my lines were set. And I had Coxie and Kylan Hill everywhere. Turn the game on. Hear the announcers talk about, yeah, it'd be really good to get Austin involved to make up for the absence of Coxie. And I'm going, excuse me? What, 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 who's out? What? Huh? Huh? Sure enough, check Twitter. See that he's not playing. Flip over to Mississippi State. As I'm looking at Twitter again, seeing some sort of weird suspension, he won't be in the day. Cool. Add that the fact that I played Jeff Sims everywhere, my Porter Rooks thing was a complete whiff. Not a good Saturday afternoon for yours, truly. Tough, tough day. But needless to say, I will have Twitter alerts set up moving forward every Saturday, and I will not be defeated like that again. I'll probably be defeated, but not like that. So I'm never going to stop playing because I'm addicted. And all it takes is about a good 48 hours to convince myself that this is the week. This is it. It's week eight. We're going to start segment one here, the CFB DFS day slate preview game by game, and then get into the NFL pick segment where our expert guest, the doctor, his third four in one week in six weeks so far this season in the NFL. Um, I think you're going to want to hear what he has to say. Stick around for that. But first, let's get into the CFB DFS week eight day slate starting now. <laughs> All right, welcome in, one and all. A few notes before we get into the game-by-game preview. I was pretty excited this week because I thought we were going to get some new blood in the contest with the return of the small 10. And it took them a while to release the prices this week, and I assume because they were trying to price out some of these big 10 teams. And I think they just gave up. And they released the contest, and there's none of these games in here. So I don't get to play Rondell Moore or Wap Filer. How dare you, DK? And look, if you need help figuring out these prices, I mean, just, just come find me. I can tell you. I know more about these teams than I, I probably should. So um, that said, I think we're going to get through this slate rather quickly in those 12 games because my opinions have not been altered a lot on these teams. We now have about maybe four or five games from each of these teams to decipher what the pecking orders are, depth charts, workloads. We just kind of have a good familiar idea. And so I'm probably going to say a lot of similar things. Um, I've altered my opinion on maybe one or two guys here and there. But overall, I think the bigger question is, can we spend like 9700 on Najee Harris? Is, that, is it worth it at this point? So let's get into it with the first game. It's Baylor at Texas. Texas is minus nine, over under 61. The first initial reaction I had is should Texas be lane nine to anyone considered to be a, a decent Big 12 team? I don't know. Just uh, crossed my mind. Anyway, I think there's all kinds of value in the Bears offense because we've only really seen, I think, two games from them, and it's just skewed their prices a little bit. They had one crazy game, I think it was against Kansas, where... Treston Ebner had like four touchdowns, two return touchdowns. Um, so we didn't get to see a ton of their offense. 
And then they had a kind of a not so great game offensively against West Virginia. So I think it's dropped their prices kind of irrationally down a bit below where they should be. So let's start where I think there's a lot of value. First, I'll just say I think Charlie Brewer makes a ton of sense as kind of one of those second tier QBs if you want to pay down and avoid the uh, bigger guys at that position. Where I'm really interested is Tyquan Thornton at 4,500. I've talked about him in the past. He profiles as the most likely guy to fill the Denzel Mims role from last year. In that game against West Virginia, had I think maybe like a four catch, 45 yard game. Nothing great, but he's the most likely to be a clear number one wide receiver in this offense for Charlie Brewer. We saw what Denzel Mims did week to week last year. A lot of big ceilings. And in a game like this against Texas, we've seen that D. You know it's vulnerable. It's shaky. And it's going to be like that against any competent offense with a, a decent quarterback. And Brewer is that. He's He can do damage. He can hurt you. So um, I like Brewer. I love Tyquan Thorne at 4,500. John Lovett at 4,300 running back. Probably going to see 15-ish touches here against this shaky Texas D. I think he's a nice price there. A lot of value. Josh Fleeks also 4K receiver. I think makes a lot of sense if you're shopping in this range. And then, of course, Tresson Ebner is the running back, kind of Swiss Army knife in the offense. He's the wild card. He'll line up all over the place. Um, not sure how they'll be use him on the goal line quite yet. I will say that Charlie Brewer worked as a lot of a goal line running back as well at the quarterback position in this offense last year. So um, he has some upside there in the rushing attack. But uh, Ebner's fairly priced at 6300 I think you can still get value from him, but um, he might be a little more touchdown dependent. We'll see. But my number one with a bullet in this offense for me is Tyquan Thornton at 4500 at receiver. On the Texas side, the story is the injuries at wide receiver. Jordan Winnington expected to be out. Jake Smith and Brendan Schuler expected to play. Smith is the guy you want. He'll likely compete for the highest percentage-owned player in the contest. We've seen him in one game. It was the TCU game, I believe, is the game he played in. And he was the most similar to that. I don't want to you know, be blasphemous and say he's like Devin Duvernay, but he filled that role the most similarly of anyone we've seen so far this year. Joshua Moore is more the outside guy, um, similar to who was the guy last year? Playing for Jacksonville now. Can't think of his name. Damn it! Uh, Cam Johnson? I think Cam Johnson. Anyway, he's the most similar kind of lineup on the outside, make the big plays down the field. Um, Smith is the guy who's going to work the intermediate routes, a lot of crossing patterns, and get the higher volume, I think. I think he's, you know, you can see some, like a 10-catch game for him this week. So uh, he's at 5,800, I believe. It's a nice value. And I'll just reiterate my opinion on Texas running backs. And um, you saw this play out perfectly against Oklahoma where Sam Ellinger, I think, led the team with like 18 carries for 100 some yards and four rushing touchdowns. So he is the de facto goal line back. And um, as I've stated, it can work with Texas running backs. I think Keontae Ingham and Rashawn Johnson are talented, but they're going to be very touchdown dependent and they're going to have to score their touchdowns on longer plays and not get tackled like inside the five because you know it's Ellinger time usually when they're in those situations. So I tend to avoid them and look elsewhere. Let's move on to Bama at Tennessee. So here's a quick one. Not much to offer here. I like um, on, on the Bama side, right? Like, yeah, uh, play Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. Okay. Um, I think you're going to see decent value. John Mechie, the third at wide receiver. He appears to be the um, third option in this offense that scores and piles up tons of yards and touchdowns every week. Uh, he'll have some value at 5,500 as long as he stays in that range. On the Tennessee side, I'm just going to repeat that Eric Gray and Josh Palmer are the only guys I would consider, but I'm probably out on all the volunteers this week just because of the tougher matchup. The quarterback play is so bad. Um, if you watch any of that game against Tennessee, they pulled Garantino, uh, Garantano, sorry, and... Um, I think the, the next guy threw another pick or something. It was, it's just bad. They, they barely scored a touchdown against Kentucky. Um, so it's just, it's tough to pay for guys like Eric Gray in, in matchups like this. So 
I'm probably going to look elsewhere, and let's just get out of this game. We'll talk about the price on Najee Harris a little bit later with some uh, more relevant comparisons. Here's a quick one. Syracuse at Clemson. Clemson minus 46 over under of 62. So a 54 to 8 script. That's what we're looking at here for uh, the orange. So I think we can safely say we're out on Syracuse. Uh, I'm not really going to spend any time on that. And um, if you don't want to pay up for the BAM wide receivers or Elijah Moore, I'll say the same thing I did about Amari Rogers last week. His price did go up a little bit to the high uh, 6K range, but I think he still has the upside in the offense he's in with the quarterback play he has to compete for the top receiver on the board each week in his contest. So um, I think he was up there last week, had a, had a really big game, but he's always going to have big games or have the potential to have them at least. So um, also Frank Latson Jr. continues to provide solid price floor ceiling combination as the 2-2A option in the high octane passing attack for Clemson. A couple of guys I wanted to uh, make mention of as well, Joseph Nagata and freshman receiver EJ Williams. Both at a bare minimum 3K. EJ Williams, I watched a lot of that game because I had Jeff Sims, which was a disaster. Anyway, um, I did notice that Williams has a role in the offense. He's on the field, and I think he caught maybe two or three passes and he has at least, I think, one catch in every game this season. So, again, it's those uh, bagel-proof 3K guys where you're just looking to get maybe a catch or two. And who knows, in an offense like that, where they're going to score probably five or six touchdowns, who knows? Maybe he runs into one, and uh, he really pays off with 3K. Joseph Nagata is the other guy who talked about a little bit more. He's was thought of him and Frank Ladson Jr. to be one of the next stars at wide receiver for this team for the future. And it was kind of like, who's it going to be, one or the other? So far, Latson has been healthy, so he's taking advantage and has the larger role. But Nagata is someone who they're really high on. And he recorded one catch last week. He was on the field, though, and he's expected to play again this week. He just returned from an injury. So I think, again, if you're considering those guys like I do at 3K to kind of just start one of those guys with your lineups, I think these guys make a lot of sense for the reasons I mentioned. Um, so that's all I have for that game. Let's get out of here and move on to Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is minus three and a half over under 52. Again, simple with the Cyclones. It's Brees Hall at running back, Xavier Hutchinson at wide receiver, and tight end Charlie Kohler are your, um, well, are really the only guys that I'm interested in here and playing and kind of worth considering, I think, for you guys as well. Um, maybe Chase Allen, wide receiver at 3,600. Tariq Milton might be someone else you want to consider, but he's he's been banged up a lot and has been had a lot of sporadic playing time. So just don't know if you can rely on him for much there. I, I'd look elsewhere. Um, and I think for the quarterbacks, Brock Purdy on the Iowa State side, I don't know that this is maybe the matchup you want. Oklahoma State's been a lot better on defense. This might just be an ugly, low-scoring defensive battle. Uh, we'll see, but... Um, I might look elsewhere for if I'm paying Purdy's price, which I think is around 7K. I think there's better options in a much more um, higher projected scoring games that I would look to. So, on the other side, Oklahoma State, QB is a mystery. Spencer Sanders, and I think it's uh, Illington, or I, whatever. Bottom line is, uh, Gundy's already said he doesn't know. Says Spencer Sanders is getting closer to being ready to play and come back with an injury, but they liked the way the other guy was playing. They might play in both. That was set. So that means avoid. You can't start a quarterback that uh, might be in rotation in the game. So we got to avoid that. Uh, and here's where I'll bring up kind of Najee Harris because uh, just because of price, which Chuba is usually in the 8K range. Um, he's at 7,500. So I, I kind of in my notes here, I wrote, Chuba greater than Najee, ETN, and Khalil Herbert, question mark. And my answer is it's close, but not necessarily. Um, again, the, the price is a lot more friendlier, and I do think there are similar ceilings um, with Chuba, but the matchup's a little bit tougher here um, with Iowa State. 
they're not you know they're not the 85 bears or anything but they're they're a better defensive team for the big 12 and the over under suggests at a 52 that it's it may be just kind of a, a closer game in the 20 so i still think chuba can return value for sure but i'm not going to necessarily say he's absolutely a much better start because of his price than um naji or khalil herbert or even etn where those offenses might go for probably you know 50 points in the case of Khalil herbert probably you know more like 35 ish points but still a much more friendlier uh, matchup for him as well so i think if you're if you want to pay down though this position you just you don't really want anyone in your lineup over a certain price because you just want to fill it out with um you don't you're not like you don't like to take more shots like i do where it's very high risk with like a 3k guy you want to have mostly no one lower than 5k let's say so if you want to do that i think chuba does make sense to pay down the position and i think probably my other favorite candidates to pay down where you can still get pretty high upside this week is going to be deuce vaughn and tank bigsby i have altered my opinion on him we'll talk about that later um so the other thing is Tylen Wallace or Bust at wide receiver for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I don't really think anyone else is worth considering. And he did have a big game last time out with the other quarterback. So he's kind of one of those quarterback-proof guys. Once they kind of figure it out with each other over a couple weeks, uh, they just know, oh, yeah, throw him the ball. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, all right, let's get out here and move on to Mr. Herbert and the Virginia Tech Hokies at Wake Forest. So Heaton Hooker, now full QB1 leading a very run-heavy RPO QB option offense. He threw for 111 yards and one touchdown, ran for 164 on 18 carries with three more touchdowns in blowout win over Boston College last week. Also, Khalil Herbert continued to be one of the best Power 5 running backs statistically in the country, averaging a wild 9.7 yards per carry. He ran for another 143 yards on 18 carries, also caught a 29-yard TD, which... That 29 yards led the team to receiving, which brings me to my next point. We are out on Hokie receivers. Um, you know, I, I think they're just such a they're such a run-heavy team with Hendon Hooker in there to begin with that it doesn't mean it can't work for some of their receivers in certain weeks, but you're just never going to know, and it's going to be very touchdown-dependent. The volume isn't there for me enough to kind of burn a slate on any of them, at least not yet. So, um, But I, I do think... Um, one of the the last tinkering session I had, it ended with a stack of Hendon Hooker, Khalil Herbert, and the Auburn Tigers, which we're going to come and talk about later. But that was my last tinkering session. It's all subject to change, of course. I'm sure I'll screw that up somehow. But on the other side, uh, pretty simple way. Kenneth Walker, the third at running back, Jakari Robinson, and Donovan Green, and Taylor Morin are the only guys I would consider playing for the Demon Deacons. I don't know why I had this weird, um, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I, I don't want to pay for any of these guys. I, and I, mostly I'll say Kenneth Walker. I don't, I don't know why I think he'll be fine here, but something just, I'm like, Kenneth Walker, really, 7,200? Is this what it's come to? Um, I, I'd rather have Deuce Vaughn at seven. How about that? Let's just, let's just put it that way. Um, Okay, let's get out of that game. Oklahoma at TCU is next. Oklahoma is minus 6.5, over under a 59.5. And, and here's, here's a spot where I've changed my tune a little bit. And it's the RB situation with Oklahoma. And it's because of Spencer Rattler. And I think it, it's very clear, at least right here, right now, this is not Kyler Murray. This is not Jalen Hurts. This is not Baker Mayfield. And especially in terms of running the ball or in being part of the goal line running game, it's not there for him. Um, it doesn't mean he can't get better and he can't be a more effective passer, but I don't think the goal line factor is going to be there for him running the ball. And he just doesn't really doesn't look as an effective of a passer yet as the previous Oklahoma quarterbacks I named. So um, that said... I think TJ Pleasure is now worth considering because it's still a good offense that's going to score their enough of their points. And if you're in an offense that's averaging, you know, four offensive touchdowns a week and getting piling up a ton of yards, yeah, you definitely want to have the highest volume running back in that offense. And right now it looks like Pleasure is that. So 
I will start considering him more week to week. I have other options I like elsewhere this week because uh, he's at 6,400. I think I'd rather have Tank Big Speed perhaps at 6,500. But uh, yeah, I think you can uh, deploy Pledger now and get some more value. At wide receivers, Charleston Rambo and tight end Austin Stogner. Very nice price, floor, ceiling combinations. Um, I know Marvin Mims has kind of taken over the highest price guy, but I still think Rambo is the highest ceiling guy in that offense week to week. But again, I'll just say that I, we got to kind of see it more. We got to see Rattler more. He was really shaky to begin that Texas game. Um, I think he got hurt slash benched. I'm not, you know, just speculating. I think he got pulled for a little bit. But um, he came back and finished the game nicely. But I still think uh, it's going to have to work out. And right now, I think there's a bit of a cap on Rambo's ceiling or even Marvin Mims week to just because he's still improving, let's just say. On the other side, speaking of ceilings, Tay Barber, one of my favorite price floor ceiling combinations on the board at wide receiver. I would actually probably play Max Dillon at quarterback in this game over Rattler if I had to pick between the two. I'm out on the TCU running backs. I have no feel for them. I don't think they have a feel for them. And Max Duggan is also kind of, he's more of a uh, Jalen Hurts type factor player on TCU's offense um, with the running game. I mean, he's a, he scores, scores a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, does a lot with his plays with his legs. So um, out on the running backs there, still like Doug, and I think this is a really good matchup for him uh, with that soft OUD. And then after Barber, Quentin Johnson and Blair Conroy, only considerations for me at wide receiver in TCU, but I think I have other plans that are more pragmatic elsewhere. Let's get to them. It's Auburn at Ole Miss. Auburn minus three, over under seven and a half. That's a DFS catnip type projection of a game. So obviously, you want to target this game in a lot of ways. It's going to be a race to 40. I think Tank Bigsby will compete for the highest percentage owned player on the board. He uh, has the clear hold on the RB1 spot in this offense. Uh, played a nice game again last week in their loss at South Carolina. I think, South, I think Seth Williams at wide receiver is mispriced at 4,900. I believe he's expected to play. I think he's a little banged up, but um, he's a really dynamic receiver and can make a lot of big plays downfield and has the eye of Bo Nix in the red zone. He's like 6'3", uh, 200 pounds, big target. Um, I really like him at 4,900, especially in a matchup like this against Ole Miss, who uh, can't stop anybody. They're in the bottom probably... 20 or 15 in almost every statistical category uh, right now through this season. Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz also receiver, both fairly priced and have very sturdy price floor combos, in my opinion, in a very plus matchup. And then Bonix, arguably the top candidate to pay down at quarterback because of the matchup that we've talked about so much. On the other side, it's pretty straightforward with Ole Miss. It's Matt Corral. Elijah Moore, wide receiver, and Jaron Ely at running back. Only reliable pieces week to week in this offense right now in my mind. Running back Snoop Connor is involved enough that he could return value at 4,700. So I think you can consider him. He touches the ball enough. I think the last two weeks he's probably had anywhere from 15 to 20 touches. No reason not to expect the same moving forward. Dontario Drummond at 4K profiles is kind of that big play guy. If he does make a play, it's usually going to be a, a, a big one. He had a big week one, I think, against Florida. So you know it's there, but you're just not going to know when it happens uh, in a given week. So you're kind of guessing, but he's one of the guys that may be worth the guess in certain weeks. Uh, that's all I have for that game. Let's move on to NC State at North Carolina, the in-state rivalry everyone has been talking about. UNC minus 15 over under of 61. So on the Wolfpack side, my Devin Leary is out with an injury. He'll be out for the foreseeable future. I think it was four to eight weeks was the estimate. Bailey Hockman is in. Therefore, I am likely out on Wolfpack football for this week. Maybe Amika Amizi at 4,800 wide receiver might be worth considering. But um, Hockman was pretty brutal when he did start. And also, I think he got him to come back and win last week in that game but still it's uh I, I gotta see it again for a week to see if he can be effective um against a decent team so 
Gonna have to say goodbye to the Wolfpack and my my Porter Rooks for now. See you again later sometime, maybe down the road. On the other side, again, keep it simple with UNC. We know you know Sam Howell. We know Javante Williams. I think there's value with Deami Brown, Daz, my boy, and Bo Corral as a wide receiver. And their their ceilings might seem slightly different from a year ago, but the reason is Javante Williams has been a statistical stud this season so far, and he's been getting piling up all the touchdowns. That's been the real story. Because when you're looking at guys like Daz or even Diami Brown, you're saying where are all these you know big games going on? They were both, I think, a thousand yards, double digit touchdown guys last year. But the reason so far is that Javante Williams has been scoring all the touchdowns. He has six, sorry, last year, he had a total of six touchdowns in 13 games. He has nine and four this season. So he's just, I don't know if that's him becoming a much better player or it's just some kind of outlier that will regress back to the mean and you're going to start to see bigger games from Diami and Daz or at least just more touchdowns, let's just say. So that's for that reason, I think they're, I think it's probably more going to be a regression type thing and he's just going to, not be scoring as many touchdowns over the course of a full year. So I do think, uh, especially in Daz Newsom's case at like 4,300, I do think there's a lot of value. And I think there's um, a considerable ceiling there to something to think about when you're looking at, you know, that position. I think someone like him and like Tyquan Thornton make a ton of sense. So um, that is my thoughts on UNC in that game. Let's move on to another simple DFS matchup. Don't overthink this one. It's Notre Dame at Pittsburgh. Projects to be ugly, low scoring. Notre Dame, minus 10.5, over under a 43. For That means, because of this projection, I'm out on all Irish besides Kyron Williams. It's him or bust for me. Maybe Javon McKinley at 5K wide receiver, but so many other options, I think, with better matchups that I've already talked about. I just talked about Daz and Thornton. I think I'd rather have Javon McKinley. So, no there. And then on the other side... QB situation, a bit of a mystery. We don't know if Kenny Pickett's in or out. Either way, I think you can look elsewhere for production at that position. And then the rest of the squad, it's Jordan Addison or Bust. He seems to be pretty matchup proof at this point and just seems to be a clear-cut best player on this team offensively. He threw up another 8 for 147 last week in a loss to Miami. That was with the backup quarterback yelling. So, um, hey, this kid's just, he's got it. So that's the only guy I really would even worth considering i think in that offense this week so let's move on to fsu at louisville where i think there's a lot more to consider louisville's minus five over under 61 the jordan travis era in tallahassee is underway with a big win over formerly number five unc last week so jordan travis dual threat guy i think he's a solid pay down option at qb because of his kind of rushing stats upside if you will on the receiver side, we know Tamorian Terry not expected to play again at wide receiver. He was the clear number one. I think your best options to pick up that slack is Ontario Wilson at wide receiver and tight end Cameron McDonald. They both um, have been relatively productive in the absence of Terry the last couple weeks. Still very touchdown dependent, what will likely be a run first offense with Travis at quarterback. And speaking of running, Juco transfer running back Damian Webb merging a bit as a lead back here. He had something like, I think, 13 carries for around 100 yards last week. Um, so he's something, I think, in a nice plus matchup at 5,100. If you're looking to save some money at that position, I think he's worth considering. On the other side, I think it's a very good week to invest in Louisville. Unlike, I think it was last week against Notre Dame, I thought, yeah, do you really want to pay these prices for them this week? I think now it's okay to buy back in on this offense. The ceilings on Javion Hawkins at running back and Tutu Atwell wide receiver, much, much higher this week. FSU, 12th worst team in FBS in yards allowed per game, allowing almost 200 yards on the ground alone each week. That's horrifying. So, yes, I think uh, those are the guys you want to target, Hawkins and Tutu Atwell. The secondary guys are like Des Fitzpatrick, maybe Braden Smith at receiver for Louisville. They can have um, also big games here with a nice matchup. So let's move on to more ceilings being raised in other offenses. Kansas State at home against Kansas. Um, I forgot to write down the line and over under. I think it's like 20 and 48. Anyway, Kansas sucks. Well, there's nothing really to say. 
Here, here's the tip of the podcast. Watching games provides a lot of context. And so what I mean by that is I actually forced myself to watch Kansas in West Virginia last week to see if I could see any sort of, you know, redeeming quality in the Kansas offense. Just something. Steven Robinson Jr., anything, anything. And the quarterback play is so bad, it's I, you can't do it. And it's not just struggling to score touchdowns. They're struggling to get first downs. They had seven, seven first downs total in that game. The one touchdown that they did have should have been intercepted. Uh, the I forget the quarterback's name, but he threw it up to this guy, underthrew it by a mile, and the defensive back like tipped it up with his hands, and it went right into Andrew Parchment's hands and he walked in the end zone. And it was just this fluky nonsense of a score. And that's against West Virginia, who look, I think they're, they're a average Big Twelve team. Let's just call it. And it's not like it's the steel curtain. So. This Kansas team is uh, really bad, and you just can't do it. And also, Puka Williams now opting out of the season, I think, to uh, take care of his mother, who's battling some health issues. So just something to note there as well. He's their best player by far. On the other side, you know my feelings on Deuce Vaughn. He's like a DFS son to me. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense at 7K this week in this matchup, uh, where they should have be scoring a ton of points. Briley Moore at tight end still being disrespected with his price at 3900 and then um you know i'm a malik news knowles truther kind of like a jalen camp truther which that uh that came that came actually to fruition last week with his big catch against clemson the only bright spot of the day for georgia tech but um i forced myself to read another malik knowles is about to break out article this week and uh talked about the coach and how we're gonna try to get him the ball early on and uh, maybe get him some easy catches, you know, to get him involved. And I just was like, okay, is this is this it? This is the week, right? Yeah. And I I was like, should I just come on here and make a bold prediction? Like, he will score a touchdown this week? I don't know. Um, but I, I'm just convinced. I'm going to continue to stick in his camp. At 3,500, I strongly advise you to consider Malik Knowles at wide receiver if you're looking for a guy to pay down. Um, and then I wrote down Will Howard, question mark. And I just wrote, sure. Sure. I mean, look, he's any quarterback with a pulse against this squad is going to be able to do something. And, and I think he's like at 6,600. Hey, all you want from this guy is like 15 to 20 points. And uh, I think he can get it. Yeah. Uh, I, and, um, and that is, he's, if you're not sure, he is a backup freshman quarterback for Kansas State who is now projects to be the starter the rest of the way with Skylar Thompson having a season-ending injury at quarterback for Kansas State. So that is my thoughts on that game. Let's move on to the final game of the board. It is the Wildcats of Kentucky at Missouri. Kentucky's minus 5.5, over under 47. Another projected defensive struggle here. Not a ton of interest, generally speaking, for me. Consider Josh Ali a wide receiver at 4,700. He's been pretty productive at different times for Kentucky this year. And another guy I wanted to mention that has not played yet this season, at least I don't think, they said he was expected to play last week. I don't know if he got in the game or not. He did not record a catch. But it's Bryce Oliver, wide receiver, who was um, one of their better players last year. They don't pass a ton to begin with, so I wouldn't expect a lot from him but i think at 3k one of those guys that if he is playing um again you're just hoping he gets maybe two three catches and that can pay off for for him and who knows maybe he catches a bomb for a touchdown and you know takes takes one to the house and then really pays off speaking of those type of candidates on the missouri side toski dub is at 3k that is all i'm going to say you're welcome that is the board. All 12 games. You did it. I did it. We did it. Good luck to you. Thank you for listening. And the NFL segment coming up in just a minute here starts. I encourage you to stick around for our expert guest, the doctor. Here it is.
It is week seven in the NFL. We are located in the Midwest. As you know, the days are getting shorter and darker. Sort of kind of my picks the last two weeks where I was one and four uh, in each of those two weeks. The positive note is our, uh, our expert guest, the doctor. Last week, four and one for the third time in six weeks this season. Uh, bringing his season record to winning total so far. And I think we talked a little bit about this Sunday. We were messaging and the fact that we both had the Texans. Uh, you should be five and I should be two and three. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, that was, was a disaster. Rid- yeah. That was a ridiculous non-cover. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this, get into this too much, but um, this two-point conversion thing is getting out of control with these coaches. And they're outthinking themselves. And it's just, I, I'm going, what are you doing it, Romeo Cornell, I know if he was just trying to, I don't know if it was analytical or he was just trying to say, I want to get the win. Either way, I think it's ridiculous. Make them get eight, make them go for two, make them do it. I don't understand it. Um, I understand maybe he didn't trust his defense at all because right. we saw we saw what happened. I can see that. Man, you at least got to make, make it harder on them. Uh, you know, Executing around that goal line, that's hard for even good offenses. Yeah. So, I don't – in the whole, like, down by 14, go for two, it, out of control. Completely. Analytics analytics run amok. So – and we, we love stats. I love stats and data. I, we use it all the time. But it gets to a point where you're just – it's out of control. So, hey, uh, any thoughts? Well, there's on, a rant. There's a rant to start. All right. Yeah. Any thoughts on your uh, your week last week or any NFL in general? Uh, you know, last week, it's what I expect to happen every week. You know, just be great. Just continue to be great. Uh, it's good to get back on the winning side, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll do it again this week. I think I've got some. Uh, I've got some of my favorite picks. Some guys I like to ride coming up here uh, during this during this week. So I'm excited about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that it may include a one AR12, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um, might be a couple twelves in there, Bob. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, so let's talk uh, records for the season. Uh, obviously, one and four for me last week. Um, back to back one and four weeks. Season t- ten and eighteen. Oh, it's man. tough. Um, that is. Can you recover I, I, from that? Do you do you expect yourself to get back to five hundred? I have a plan. It's coming up. Okay. All right. Look forward <laughs> to hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a spin. Actually, I think it's ten, eighteen, and two. I don't think I wrote that down correctly. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Doctor. Four and one last week. Um, again, third four and one week in six so far this season, and the season record now at sixteen thirteen and one on the winning side in the black. Uh, let's go through NFL ATS trends through six weeks. Favorites versus dogs. Favorites are thirty nine forty five and three. Home versus road ATS. Home teams are forty forty eight and two. Home favorites are twenty five thirty three and one. Home underdogs, 14, 14, and two. Substantial favorites, which we consider to be seven or greater, were 16, 15, and two. One in three last week. Uh, the Fish was the only one to uh, cover their big spread. Yeah. You ha- had them in your picks. And then one outright loser, the Pats, were added to the Island of Misfit Toys last week. They were the fifth team <laughs> to lose outright. Uh, and pretty pretty bad loss to say it that, too, to Denver yeah. at home. Uh, very uncharacteristic, too, coming off a bye and a loss. That was um, not very valid checking. So this week we have 14 games as of right now. There are seven home favorites, six home dogs. There is a one pick currently is the Washington football team. And uh, there are four substantial favorites. It's the Chargers, Bills, Saints, and the Chiefs, which we probably see in the substantial favorite category every week. Uh, Would you like to begin with your first pick? Uh, yeah, first, speaking of the Chiefs, I think they the Jets travel to Kansas City next week. Are we thinking that line is over 20? We're going to talk about the Jets um, okay. here. <laughs> I, I, and I'll just, I'll, I'll say no. I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say it'll be close. But I think that there's a factor with the Jets that can't be understated that is going to be changing here. And we'll get to that. So, but okay. it, it could, so how about you uh, rattle through your first game? All right, so I'm I'm coming in hot. Look, Detroit headed to Atlanta. Atlanta <laughs> given two and a half. We know the Detroit organization. Look, Detroit fans, this is your time. Huge road W last week without a great day from CDS. 
breakout game from Swift. It's all coming together, looking to get back to 500 and in the playoff hunt with an easy win at 1-5 Atlanta. And it's just not going to happen, right? <laughs> this is a game Detroit should win. They won't. This is, uh, this is a typical Detroit. You, you have to live this to fully understand it. But this is going to be a complete melt. Um, you know, the, it's, it's Atlanta minus two and a half and you just know, and you know, I mean, we, we picked, I picked Detroit twice this season to win games where maybe didn't think they should, they did. Um, if you need any further support, look, Atlanta, uh, D showed a little life last week and we all know what the offense is capable of in Atlanta, right? And Detroit's D has not been very good. So expect, expect Atlanta to put a bunch of points and, you know, lastly, CDS on the road for his career is 31 45 and one if you think this guy's gonna go out and get his third straight road win you really are a delusional lion fan so pick <laughs> falcons minus two and a half oh you i refuse to include them in these picks because i just i can't do it one way or the other but you have and you've uh you've been correct and it's been the logic has been correct too because there is no logic with this and team. He, and yeah here's another you just have to know it you have to live it right right Okay, um, I respect it. So this is kind of where I'm at so far this week. Um, we're about a third of the way through the season, roughly. Things are getting a little bit more clear on team strengths, weaknesses, or possibly capabilities or just incapabilities. Statistically, we can kind of the identity of some of these teams. So what I did, Doctor, you may recall for the playoffs last year, once they were set with all the teams in there, I put up four... Yeah statistical categories that yeah. kind of remove quarterback play, at least to, to a degree, and just look at the teams around the quarterback. So what I did is for every NFL team, I put up rushing yards per game, what they're ranked in that, what they're ranked in defensive yards allowed per game at this point, defensive points allowed at this point, and then a, a, a stat that does impact quarterback play, but I also think it just calls into play coaching and schemes it's red zone touchdown percentage so i took those four stats and then i applied a little secret weighted average um to them that i i'm going to keep to myself because after this works i'm going to trademark it i'm going to be like uh i'm going to be like that guy jeremy piven in uh if you recall that movie he had I'm the, very familiar with the he, ha he had the psych system with all the yeah. 42, 42 wow, indexes what a pull. What that's a pull. good that's what I'm going to do. So when this starts working, um, I'm going to sell this and make a subscription model. So listen, and, and so I did it also just out of genuine curiosity to see like kind of how these, some of these teams stack up and who are we kidding? I don't just need wins. I need something to sell at this point. So this is what I'm doing. Um, and it, it brought me to my first pick. Now you, you understand the set. I think I laid it out. Well, who do you think? ranks at the highest when I wait way to average all these stats out who is the highest ranked team in the NFL removing quarterback um Tampa Bay it is not uh they are I believe fourth or fifth it Cleveland is the, Browns. it is not one more guess uh Baltimore they're just they're number two it okay. is the Arizona Cardinals wow wow Oh, fourth, throw this out the window. Fourth, fourth in rush yards per game. Um, I think the surprise is comes from the defensive side where they're 13th in yards allowed and two in, in defensive uh, points allowed per game, but also two in red zone touch. Makes sense with what Kyler's been doing a little bit with his legs. Um, and you can say that, hey, a lot of that has come from the last two weeks against the Jets. And I believe, oh yeah, the Cowboys, what we saw on that Monday night, and two blowout wins. But also, I would counter that with isn't that a sign of what good teams do? They beat up on bad teams and they, they blow the teams yeah. off that they should. So, look, uh, they rank the highest, and it's why it leads me to taking them at home in the desert, plus three and a half points against the Seattle Sea Chickens. Wow. We, we, we've talked about them before, too. Yep. Um, Seattle, DFL in yards allowed per game defensively. We already know Murray can hurt defenses, even, even the good defenses. Seattle undefeated but been flying way too close to the sun in four or five of their wins. Two of them needed game-winning drives for Russell Wilson just to get the W. So, um, look, he's very good, but over the long term, over the course of a season, it's going to catch up with them. 
and they're just they're not going to win anything of merit. They'll get to 10, 11 wins, but it's not going to turn into anything from a championship standpoint. So, uh, and I think we're going to learn a lot about Seattle in the next five games at Zona, 49ers, at Bills, at Rams, Zona again. So, I think this is going to tell a big story about Seattle, and I think this is their first loss of the season in the desert. It's Zona plus three and a half. And so, should I just expect that you're going to go right down the list and take those top five teams on your on your? Uh... Well, just a little stat there. No, stat. no, no. What? No, what I did. <laughs> no, what? What I did though is I, I looked at all the matchups too, and I applied the numbers to them based on the rankings I have, and I kind of picked out where the biggest discrepancies Gaps. between maybe yeah. okay. the line and everything. So, and, and a few of them showing up that I didn't pick because, well, we'll talk about it. Um, but okay. I think I, I think they'll be included in your pick, so it'll come up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'll move on to. to Pick two. We're going to go to the great state of Ohio. Cleveland at Cincy. Cleveland minus three and a half. Uh, we got a rematch here from, from week two where the Browns won uh, 35 to 30. Uh, look, I haven't gone against Burrow yet this year. I, I don't like to, but the Browns are a great play here. Uh, they're coming off a disaster last week, as we all saw. I mean, that highlight of OBJ has been played out over and over again, which you just slam the helmet. Let's you don't need to show it every every five minutes. But and they're look, they're a little banged up. Right? Secondary's banged up. No chub. Uh, I know Baker's nursing a little bit of a rib injury. So this is set up for you know turnaround week, a rebound rebound game. I yes. also think it's it's a step for the Browns in a big direction, right? I think they're going to legitimize themselves this week and get and get a W. Where last last year I felt like they had some chances to do this at least uh, kind of separate themselves from their past, and they didn't. I think they're going to do that. Um, you know, look, the, Baker is 4-1 and one against the Bengals, and they seem to be a cure for him, so that happens again here. A uh, couple other quick stats. The Bengals don't stop the run. They're ranking 27th in the league, giving up over 140 yards per game. Yep. Cleveland is rushing, I think, number two or one in the league at 170 yards per game. That's, yep. that's without having Chubb and getting dominated last week. So you love to talk about those run stats. I think this is a big deal this week. Uh, I'm taking the Browns minus three and a half. Quick side note, the over has hit seven straight when the Browns play a team. So maybe mix an overplay here too. Yeah, well, we agree. Okay. Um, the Cleveland did show up in the metric quite a bit. And um, yeah. Uh, Cincinnati did not, even though we love Burrow. So, yeah. and, I, and I do want to kind of lay out something else. I think kind of a theme this week as well is why I'm choosing Cleveland and maybe a couple other teams and avoiding a few others. So this is kind of a prime bounce back candidate week for four teams. Yeah. All teams that are coming off L's, they need yeah. dubs to keep up in the division. Cleveland's one, Green Bay's another, Ooh. Pats, they're yeah. one, and the Rams. Um, it's kind of who do you trust to take care of business this week? Or do you stay away from some of these teams? Maybe you just kind of um, don't know. You're kind of lukewarm on maybe someone like the Pats at this point. Are they are they not going to even compete for the division? Are they just turning into maybe a, a transition year for them? So, speaking of trust, I trust AR-12. But the Pack d remains suspect. And Watson just, he scares me. He scares me. I think the reason what we saw last week is why these lines are the way they are is because he can just win games all by himself, and he almost did last week. Pats, so I'm staying away from the Packers. Pats, very uncharacteristic performance, as I mentioned, coming off a bye and a loss, another bad home loss, 288 yards of offense, down 18-3 to three to begin the fourth to the Broncos. So uh, contrary, to my, contrary to my report of San Francisco being uh, dead last week, they, they, they turned in a good performance, and so I, I think they have a, a tough – Pats have a tough opponent again this week, so I'm kind of just hitting the pause button on the Pats for this week. Moving on, you know my feelings on the Rams and Bears, um, both of those teams respectively. The Bears D's good. It's not great. They can't run the ball. Foles still has one of the worst QB ratings in all of football. It's probably the most fraudulent 5-1 team in NFL history. And you say that every week. <laughs> most fraudulent 4-1 team. 3-1 team. 4-1 team. <laughs> and that's the strategy. That's the strategy. If I keep not saying one, it, eventually, eventually, eventually it'll happen. So that's the strategy. Um, and look, I, I think that Rams minus six, I'm trusting them. Their run game is still really good. 
Um, I think they just had a they kind of ran into a buzz on San Francisco last week. So um, I'm taking the Rams minus six as well as Cleveland minus three and a half. So those are those are my two picks. And you stated all the reasons that I think uh, Cleveland will bounce back as well. So uh, I'm not going to leave that out. Okay, sounds good. So bounce back. You said it. Rebound games. Uh, here we are. Uh, I I love when this group shows up in the model. Uh, Green Bay at Houston. Uh, Green Bay laying three and a half. Uh, look, tech, the Texans games have showed up in the model for the last three weeks, and I've been wrong every time. Um, and they're showing up here again with Green Bay in the model. I, I'm happy about that. I'm not going to be wrong this time. Um, I'm going to be right. This is going to be uh, a Green Bay rebound rebound week. Um, look, they got throttled last week. It was interesting to watch Rodgers. I, I felt like he he melted last week after those two picks. Like he looked like a different quarterback. Oh yeah. Uh, body language, everything. It just it was bad. I, I he's too good. You don't you don't see that happening twice. And so the other narrative is this. Oh, the Texans are are one in five, but their four losses have come to four of the losses have come to Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, all who are great teams that have combined twenty and two record. Well, you know, newsflash: outside of last week, Green Bay has looked like those teams. Maybe not great defensively, but you know, they have one loss. So they're yep. they're very similar to those teams. They're putting up a bunch of points. Uh, the Pack's putting up thirty two per game. And the Texans are giving up 30, which puts them, I think, in the you know, bottom quartile for sure. So while I agree with you on uh, you know Watson's talents and his abilities, I think they keep up for a while. But in the end, you got a winning team versus a losing team, and I think the Packers are going to break the weakened will of Houston at some point in the third quarter, uh, and they're going to run away if this thing turns into a blowout. Uh, quick, quick ATS stats here in support of that look. Green Bay is one of the best bounce back teams in the league. They are 5-0 ATS uh, following their last five straight up losses and 10-1 ATS following a game where they you know, lost the ATS. So some good rebound stats there for, for AR-12. Uh, big Sunday coming up for him. Yeah, I I see it. Um, yeah, like I said. Of course uh, you do. I just laid it out. How can you not see it? <laughs> I know. You are, you are the doctor. Um <laughs> Uh, no, I, I just Watson just he he scares me. So um, okay, let's move on to the nation's capital. Um, ooh, ooh. Hot spot right now. Hot spot. It, it's cer- <laughs> certainly is. Um, so when I put when I apply the metric to the Washington football team versus um, the Dallas Cowboys, and again think about we're you know four or five games in for five or six games in for for most teams. Um, and that was when Dallas had Dak for all the games except the last one. The metric suggests that the team around the quarterback is slightly better for Washington than Dallas um, at this point in the season. So, um, and now with the QB out, Dak, you could kind of argue, what, is that a wash now? Dalton versus uh, Kyle Ion? Is that is equal here? So I think the other thing I missed with Dallas in my pick last week against Arizona was I was assuming that they could kind of pivot back to the the Dallas of a couple of years ago, or maybe even part of last year, where it was the strength of the offensive line in pound and ground and play action. That could always do enough in the past game to kind of round out the offense. Well, the problem is this. Um, Tyron Smith is on IR. Then L- Lyle Collins, the right tackle on IR. Zach Martin left the game, one of the best guards in football in Monday night. He's questionable for this game. And Travis Frederick, their center from last year, all pro, he's retired for some health issues. So this line that I'm talking about is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think even if they wanted to, they can't get back to pounding ground with Zeke. And I'm not sure Zeke took the the pandemic that seriously anyway with his quarantine. So he's looking a little rough right now. Um, So we know about – go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, weren't last week you selling that – they were going to pound Zeke, and it was going to be back to the back to the glory days of just run, run, run Zeke. Yeah, I, and okay. I I think I missed the part where all the offensive line guys that I was I was counting on <laughs> just just wanted to be clear what you said last week versus where we're going this week. It just I get yeah. you, you've, you've done the modeling, you've done some more research. I like it. Yeah, so look, and we know we know that the Washington football team's D line is a mismatch even against good teams sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so 
I think um, Washington gets their first W since week one and moves into a tie for first place in the <laughs> NFC East at two and five. Because <laughs> we are we are recording this following the, the huge W by the Eagles last night. Yes, and they are. I, I saw a model that projected them to win the division at six nine and one and host the playoff Perfect. game. Perfect. Yes. So that's my. Uh, I think I'm through that's four. That's number now. four. Yeah, that's number four. This is my fourth coming up. Uh, let's go out west. Uh, Jacksonville uh, at the Chargers. Chargers lane eight. I mean, what a what a game we have here. One in five Jags against one in four Chargers. You're probably thinking, how did the model identify this one? Why are why are we even talking about this? Well, it's pretty simple. When a one in four team is giving eight points, which should never happen, it makes no sense. You take that one in four team that's giving the eight points. That's what you do. Uh, so we're on the Chargers here minus eight. Look, we love to take dog shit teams at certain times during the season, and the Jaguars are certainly a dog shit team. I mean, they allowed the Lions to dominate them last week, but not a week for that. Jacksonville is 0-4 ATS in their last four. Uh, no, this is not a their due situation. They're only due for another another L and another L ATS. Chargers are coming off a bye. Um, you know, Herbert looks like the quarterback in the future there. I think he's, he's playing pretty well. I thought he had a good Monday night game against the Saints a couple weeks ago. Um, interesting stat here, although it's a small sample size. Um, when facing the blitz on third down, Herbert has a perfect passer rate of 158.3. The only wow. other quarterback in the league that is over 150 is Mahomes. So small sample wow. size, but pretty good stat for, for a young, especially a young quarterback. Yeah. Last, no, la, la, yeah. Lastly, I'll just say this. Look, the Lions had success running the ball against the Jaguars last week. Uh, yeah. If they can do it, any team can do it. Because remember, remember, CDS's success, check down staff, his success has been hindered because, of course, the Lions can't run the football. It's nothing to do with him. The Lions running game over a decade has, has never been good enough. So if they can run the ball against uh, – if the Lions can run the ball against the Jags, Chargers will be able to throw in Herbert's solid play, and I like a blowout win for the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like Chargers just don't stay away. Um, and Herbert has been – he was great in that Monday night game. Yeah. I mean, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, that's, that's correct. Yeah. That's uh, – no, he was, he was, he's been really good. Um yeah, I like it. Uh, speaking of dog shit teams, we talked about the Jets a little bit earlier, and I said I would get to them. And Oh, boy. So, listen, I, I understand why the line is the way it is, and it's the Bills minus 13, but this Flacco effect cannot be understated. Um, and I think when you watch these games, uh, it's it's you really get the context to how bad it is. This, if it's not If it's not one, two, three, throw – the play's busted. It's over. He can't. He can't move. And all, he's trying to get away from these guys. All the defensive linemen are faster than him. And so I, there was one play, literally, where he did the little spin-out move, where he tried to go the other way, and the guy was right there. Then he spun him back the other way, and he just kept running backwards and took a sack, a 27-yard loss. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They were literally in field goal range on the on fourth, third down, and they ended up punting. It was so ridiculous. And I was like, this guy. You, I'd rather work, run the fucking Wildcat for four quarters than put him in there. It is unbelievable. So it is listen, bad. So listen, I it, it's it's not it's nothing personal. The guy just yeah he can't he can't be in there anymore. You just I don't know why they're doing it. They at least give a young guy a chance. So, but that that stated, Darnold is back. Already been named the starter, and um, I know they're not good. But the other part of this is that Bills defense hasn't been the same unit that they were last season. I think they're ranking in the 20s in yards allowed and points allowed per game. So we saw on Monday night, they were awful. I mean, the Chiefs did whatever they wanted to. They they had to throw the ball on them. So I I think with Darnold back, they're at least kind of they're le- they're at least kind of like this term I use to describe my golf game, kind of like functionally terrible, and they can do something to cover the 13 I points. Think, so I think I'm, you're being a little too generous in your golf game. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but uh. Um, so I th- I'm taking the Jets plus 13. All right, I like that. Uh, that's Darnold's that's back. Darnold's back. It's the final pick for myself. That's your five. All right, big week coming up for you. All right, so my fifth. Speaking of bat, uh, let's stay out west. Uh, Tampa Bay in Vegas. Uh, Tampa Bay laying three and a half. So look, I know the Raiders are coming off a huge win over Kansas City, and they got the bye week, but. 
TB12 is back. He may be out of New England, but betting on TB12 <laughs> in Tampa Bay is officially upon us. If you remember seasons prior to this, big rider of New England as much as possible. We have we have now gotten there on uh, on Tampa Bay with TB12. Uh, he is he is officially back. Uh, it took a few weeks, but. Look, they got the group. They're ranking top ten on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive. They got the yeah. Brady, did the Brady Gronk combination get revived last week? I mean, I think that might be back. He's healthy. They're getting the groove. Um, I do see this transitioning to a, um, you know, a New England type betting scenario. I think this is week one of it. Um, I see Tampa Bay and TB12 popping up a lot in the model here going forward. Uh, and look, this Las Vegas team just isn't ready for this Tampa Bay deep. They, they are not ready for it. It's going to be a shit show for them. Uh, and uh, Raiders D has it's been terrible. Uh, they rank 27th, giving up 30 points per game. Uh, Tampa Bay, on the other hand, their defense is ranked eighth, only give up 20 a game. So I, I like TB12 here. Lastly, another note here, Raiders, one of two teams with winning records and negative point differential on the season. So I think that's an interesting stat. I'd be interested to know where, where the Raiders show up on your little model. Well, speaking of that, um, Ooh, all right. I was just looking at that because it, it is Tampa's an interesting team, and I want to kind of talk about this a little bit more. Um, they, in their kind of composite ranking, their weighted average rank, they outrank the Raiders by 8.8 points. So uh, it, quite an advantage here. And, and really what's interesting about Tampa is the only um, category where they rank outside the top 10 of these four stats is rushing yards per game. And I think we're starting to see that trend in a positive direction as yeah. well with Ronald Jones. So if they can get that going consistently, uh, the defensive yards ranked number one, points ranked number eight in red zone, they're fourth in red zone touchdown percentage. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm I, kind of with it. Now, let me ask you this. Are you putting them in the bucket for, like, NFC contender? Oh, at 100%. Yeah. I mean, okay. I want to see, see the next two or three weeks. But okay. I, I think they are uh, – Things are really coming together. I thought last week, you know, they started kind of slow and then they, they got the jump from the defense and then, you know, the offense dominated from there too. So I, I thought last week was a big kind of over the hump moment for them as they went from, you know, who's this team going to be? Yeah, we're kind of good to, okay, this is this is real. Um, you know, TB12 is, is here and this is going to happen. Yep, NFC yeah. contender for sure. Okay, yeah, I mean, they kind of have an identity, right? I mean, like, the defense is, is looking legit. So, um, all right. So, are, that's that's your five? That's that's my five, yeah. Okay. Um, well, that was uh, – this is great. Hopefully, uh, I can turn things around a little bit. You can continue uh, some winning ways. Uh, before we go, any, uh, any comments on um, society or religion, anything? <laughs> No, I'll uh, I'll let it lie this week. No, no QB, no QBB information. I think we'll just let the debate sit where it sat, sits and um, and move on. But hey, actually, one one thing: Big Ten back. Yeah, the small back. ten is back. Very so fun. that's 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 exciting. We got uh, we got Wisconsin, Illinois tonight. We do, and then uh, is Michigan State playing Rutgers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's, that should be awesome. And then uh, and then. You got the little wolves against the Gophers. I think tomorrow tomorrow night. So, I talked to one of our mutual friends about Michigan the other night, and uh, who's who's a Michigan a Michigan fan, and uh, he actually had a very, at least for right now, he sounded like a very reasonable person, which I was shocked. So wow. Uh, um, but it was it was just nice to hear. I, like he basically he. I didn't have to bring it up. He said, well, no one's going to beat Ohio State, so it really doesn't matter. And I thought, oh, okay, you get it. All right. Yeah, so. it took, took decades, but they finally got there. <laughs> Centuries, <laughs> right. maybe even. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, man, uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, good luck to everyone out there this week in the NFL. All right, Bob, see you. Uh, the return of the small 10. Should be exciting. Great weekend of football on Saturday and Sunday ahead of us. That is a wrap for episode 47. I don't think I'm going to do a night contest post just because they it's a little after 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and they just released this contest and I don't have the time to do all the digging and put together quality content. And I, I would rather do nothing 
if it's not thorough and quality and not offering any sort of value. So if you care to reach out on the Twitter or the gram, I will respond with my thoughts, slide right into those DMs, because uh, I definitely will be playing. And as long as they do release them on a timely basis, I'll always do a post, but Friday at one, come on guys. Like, what, what, why is this, it's, this shouldn't be that hard to get these contests out earlier, but um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it greatly. If you would like to leave a review or rating, that would also be very appreciated and helpful. Um, and until then, we will see you next time.